was not very good. Chuck, good morning. And everybody else. Uh, if you get your bulletins out, a few announcements as we get started. Uh, we do have a tear-off portion in the back. If you are a guest, fill that out and put in the offer plate as it goes by. Love to follow up with you. Who are you whispering to? I was telling my brother to sit on the other side so I could sit with him during service. <laughs> Never stop anything for Linda again. You asked. I'm sorry. I did. I did. I did. I did. So if you're a guest, fill that out, put it in the offering plate. And on the other side of the bottom is a place for prayer requests. Put those in the offering plate when it goes by later as well. On the back, we have some opportunities for the week. I want to make a few... Uh, bring, bring a few highlights to that, as well as a couple new announcements that aren't on the back. So if you turn to the back of your bulletin. Today, right after this service, now the one thing I did not ask about last service is there is pizza. I was told there was going to be pizza. So at noon, the, the lap quilting for Nicholsville starts over in the small dining room in the FLC, and there is pizza provided. So if you'd like to come and help, we would love to have you to help with that time. Be a blessing to that team and to that trip. And if you don't know how to tie a knot, they'll teach you. As everybody here is probably like, I think I know how to tie my shoes, but okay. Are they more fancy? All right. RAs don't know how to tie their shoes? All right. All right. No offense. Uh, then tonight at 5 o'clock, encounter service right here. Youth at 6, ensemble at 6, handbells at 7.15. Then on Wednesday, we do have our quarterly business meeting at 6.15. So the connect groups have decided not to meet this Wednesday. And so support that business meeting, and they'll pick up next week. And then uh, we do have Awana and Youth on Wednesday night at 6, 11 o'clock, midweek Bible study here, and then choir at 7.30. And then one additional uh, announcement to this week's schedule, the 18th Thursday, teenagers, you guys are going to pick apples. I believe you're going to Carter Orchard there. Yeah, yeah, Carter Mountain. All right. And then you're going to Mitchie's Tavern afterwards. So uh, 9 a.m., you're leaving this Thursday for your trip. So be ready for that. And that'll be a good day for you all. And then on the 31st of this month, we are doing our trunk or, or treat. So uh, Ted, Ted mentioned it should be called Chuck Taylor's Trunk or Treat. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I don't know if that should be right or not, but... Uh, trunk or Treat is going to be a time where we come, and we're not going to have any other Wednesday night activities, and we're going to minister to our community by uh, decorating up your trunks and handing out candy for families that come by. So make sure to invite your, your neighbors, invite your friends to come to our church 6 to 8 on the 31st as we reach and uh, bless our community with that time. Uh, and then lastly, Goldball met here yesterday. They did a coaching clinic, which was a wonderful experience. So it wasn't an audience event for our visually impaired uh, athletes. So they had coaches who are coming together to prepare to train teams all over different areas of Virginia. They're very excited about this plan. And the next big event is November 10th. So mark your calendars. November 10th, they're going to have a regional meet. So all these coaches are going to work on their teams. They're going to come here to our FLC on November 10th and they're going to have their first meet or competition. So we're going to do it official with refs and with clocks, and we're going to have uh, popcorn and concessions and all that stuff. So we would love to have you come out November 10th to support those uh, blind athletes in a very, very fun sport. And so be in prayer for us as we partner with them. I don't see Tim. I was going to ask him if there's any other announcement, but since I do not see him, I'm going to say there are no other announcements. <laughs> All right. So, Linda, yep. sorry for calling you out. That's okay. All right. I love to be called out. <laughs> and now that my brother's totally embarrassed because I said that's totally what I was talking to. Hi, Jody. Are you just excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I don't think so. So let me try that again. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah. Amen. Okay, if you notice in your bulletin, the call to worship's a little different. The ensemble's going to lead us. However, I know you guys love to meet and greet, so I'm not going to take that away from you. So I want you to stand up and meet and greet, and when you, if, you, if you hear the note on the piano, you kind of know the ensemble's going to get their stuff together. 
you just quietly get back to your seats, okay? So go meet and greet, have fun, and we are going to lead you in the opening to our worship service for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, go meet and greet. Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful people to be living under the truth of your word and under your grace. So God, this day we thank you for the opportunity we have to um, be recipients of that grace through your word and through song, and may our hearts be lifted up as we live out the freedom that is found in your grace. God, we pray your Holy Spirit would dwell amongst us, and that this service you would have your way, that you would speak to us your truth, and that we would be changed. God, I thank you that you are in control of all things, and this day included. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we continue our worship, I invite you to take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 107, Love Lifted Me. As we think about the security of God's love, he brought me up from a desolate pit and set my feet on a rock, 
making my steps secure. Let's stand as we sing this wonderful hymn, Love Lifted Me, 107. turn in your hymnals to page 113 for our responsive reading. We're at the top of page 113 titled God's Ongoing Grace. I will do the worship leader. We'll have Becky do worship participant and you all together will read the darkened portion uh, under worshipers. Page 113. Let us then approach the the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. For by grace you are saved through faith, And this is not just from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. The Lord has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Also through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope 
the glory of God. Let's take our hymnals once again and turn to hymn number 105 as we sing about God's wonderful grace. 105, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Please stand as we sing together. Thank you, and please remain standing for our offertory prayer. Good morning. morning. This week, we uh, experienced some tragedies in our area. We've seen tragedies that happened down south. Some of us have lost power. Some of us still don't have power. Some of us have lost some food. Some people in our communities have lost lives. We saw the tragedy of the firemen this week and how that touches our lives. We have been blessed and allowed to assemble ourselves here today. Because of his blessings, let us become blessings to somebody else this week, not just with our tithes and offerings, but with our lives. Reach out to those who have been affected by the storms, those who have been affected by the passing of this fireman, those who have lost food. There is a way that we can help if we just get ourselves out of the way. We can be a blessing to somebody else. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you've given to us today. For today is another opportunity that you have given to us, O God. Lord, as we present our tithes and offerings to you this morning, we ask that you bless the giver as well as the gift, O God. Let it be used and let it be uplifted into thy kingdom. Let it be sent forth from this place, O Lord, that it may touch lives not just in our community but far beyond that. Let your word be spread, O God, that it may be an encouragement and lift up people out of their ways that we may be able to show the love of Christ to all those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.
let me add a word to what Chuck said as we remember during our times of prayer uh, the fireman and his family who lost his life and the others who were injured very severely. Uh, we need to keep them in prayer as they are still in MCV Hospital. And um, we need to uh, remember them, remember all those people who are dealing with the after effects of the storms of this past month and this past week. Um, we know that the Lord uh, can help and He can provide and He can do that sometimes through us. I also want to tell you, Gene uh, uh, Brooks, Gene Brooks, who usually is with us in the services, uh, fell uh, in her apartment at Covenant Woods on Friday. And uh, she um, has got to have a pacemaker put in. That's what caused her to fall. Uh, she uh, passed out. So she is in uh, Memorial Regional in intensive care because they have attached an external um, uh, pacemaker in order to prepare her for the pacemaker they'll place tomorrow. We don't know what time. I did visit with her uh, on Saturday, yesterday, and she seemed to be her old self. Uh, they still had some tests they need to run, but I knew she's always here, and I wanted you to know so that you could be praying for Jean uh, and the family as they help her through this uh, time. I think she'll be fine, but uh, we do need to remember her in our prayers. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful this morning for the love shown to us through Jesus and the power of grace to transform our lives. The grace of which we speak indeed is amazing and it's difficult for us to define. And yet it comes from you. And we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so for this we give thanks. We're grateful, Father, for this church and for this time of worship to gather in this place. To sing praises to your name. To lift your name on high. To petition you, Father, on behalf of others. We pray this morning for those who have lost loved ones in recent days. For the fireman who lost his life. We pray for his family, Father, as they try to pick up the pieces and move forward. For those who were injured, we lift them to you and pray that their wounds will heal. And that they will be whole once again. And up and around and doing the things they do. We're thankful, Father, for those who serve us in such capacities. For each day they put their lives on the line to give to us security and a peace of mind that comes in knowing that there are those we can call upon when we have needs. And yet, in times like these, Father, we know that our greatest needs are met by you. And so we come to you and ask for healing. We pray, Father, for Jean this morning as she prepares for surgery tomorrow. We pray, Father, that you will give her strength to endure the surgery. We're grateful, Father, for hospitals, doctors, nurses, support staff, those who care for us when we have needs. But most of all, we're thankful for you, for indeed you are the great physician. We're thankful, Father, for your word and for the opportunity we have to share your word and for missionaries around the world who will share your word each day. We lift them to you and pray, Father, that you will bless them, encourage them, meet their needs. We're thankful, Father, that as we open your word, we find in it words of wisdom and truth, words of encouragement and hope, and words of grace. Bless us, Father, as we continue in this service. Help us to listen for a word from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Elijah Rock, shout, shout. Elijah Rock, coming up, Lord. Elijah Rock, shout, shout. Elijah Rock, coming up, Lord. Elijah Rock, shout, shout. Elijah Rock, coming up, Lord. Elijah Rock, shout
The flowers on the altar this morning are given to the glory of God in honor of the 69th wedding anniversary of John and Edna Munn. Is today the day? Today. Well, we want to. <laughs> you told me, but I couldn't remember whether it was today. The other flowers, I should have Tommy come announce these. Uh, they were uh, given in honor of Dwight and I on Pastor Appreciation Month and Sunday. And so that's why the ones, the pastel ones are there in honor of Dwight and I. So we are thankful for that and appreciate that as well. So just want to let you know. <clears throat> when I was at homecoming two weeks ago in Winds Creek, they had a list of uh, flowers in the bulletin about that long and still left out one. I felt sorry for them. It's hard to do that sometimes to get all that in and uh, make sure that everybody is accounted for. Our scripture this morning is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. The theme of our service today certainly is grace, and so we want to look at these words that Paul penned to the Corinthians. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What makes Christianity different from all, all other religions in the world? Years ago, that very question was discussed at a conference. Some of the participants argued that Christianity is unique in its teaching that God became man. But someone objected, saying that other religions teach similar doctrines. What about the resurrection? No, it was argued, other faiths believe that the dead rise again. The discussion grew heated. C.S. Lewis, author of Mere Christianity and many other books, a strong defender of Christianity, came late, sat down and asked, what that, what's the rumpus about? When he learned that it was a debate about the uniqueness of Christianity, he immediately commented, Oh, that's easy. It's grace. 
Grace is the key to life and is sufficient for every need. Grace emphasizes not what we do for God, but what God has done and does do for us. But it's not only His activity for us, it is His activity in us. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 teaches. There are three things that God's grace does for us. First, God's grace will do something for us in the future in such actions as the delivering of creation as recorded in Romans chapter 8, the raising of the dead in 1 Corinthians 15, and the gathering up of the living, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. All of these actions are passive, not active. It's God's work, not ours. Second, God's grace has done something for us in the past. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that the believer has been made alive spiritually and verses 6 through 10 of the same chapter state that it is by grace. So it is not by anything we do, but by the work God does. It's grace at work. Sometimes we put too much of a burden on ourselves because we think we have to do it. But God makes it very clear that if we will let go and allow Him to use us, that He can take our weaknesses, our self-doubts, all of those things that we struggle with as human beings and impart them with grace and use them for His glory. The third thing, God's grace is doing something for us in the present, right now, in our daily lives. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 tells that we shall be kept saved by Jesus' resurrection life so that we now have the privilege of reigning in life through Christ. This is by grace. 2 Corinthians 12 testifies just how sufficient the grace of Christ is. It is like a diamond with its many facets. And as we look down on it, we can see the sufficiency of God's grace. Let's look at some of these facets as we delve into God's grace. First, we see the predicament that Paul puts before us in verse 7. Verse 7 speaks of revelations a man received. Most interpreters conclude that the man was Paul himself and that 14 years before he was given a divine revelation no man ever saw or heard. He was caught up to the third heaven, the very presence of God into paradise. He said nothing about his experience, lest he be honored more than he ought. Paul said that boasting must cease. It was good neither for the Corinthians nor for Paul. But the Lord who gave the visions gave something else. He gave something else to keep Paul from a false exaltation of spirit. God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself, to keep him from pride, to keep him humble, to keep him aware that it's God's grace that makes the difference in our lives. We don't know what it was. But his language indicates that it could have been physical, painful, and humiliating. It was a divinely permitted satanic antagonism. It constantly troubled him and consequently he suffered acutely. But this affliction, this thorn in the flesh is never named. But in studying for this this past week, I ran across something that I find quite interesting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9, We read these words about Paul. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Do you get the sense That the thorn could be to denote the recurring agony of grief and remorse caused by Paul's former hatred of Christ and his battle against him and his people. For after all, Paul was zealous in his betrayal of Christians. 
He was zealous in his persecution of Christians. He did everything he possibly could do to destroy those who followed the grace of God. Paul was without grace, if you will. And now that Paul had found grace, he was reminded over and over and over again of what that grace had done for him and what it cost his Savior. That's a burden to carry. A burden to carry. We don't know what that affliction was. We don't know. But Paul himself made reference to the fact that he never did quite get over the fact that he was a persecutor of Christians and somewhat gave him an inferiority complex towards the other apostles. We see that reality here because Paul himself points it out to us. It is striking that a reference to this appears followed by an affirmation of the power of grace to blot out his sin and fit him for apostolic service. He gives everything to the grace of God. He wants to make sure that everyone understands that it's not him, it's God's grace working in him. We could accomplish so much more if we would allow God's grace to work in us. We think We have to do it ourselves. It's the way we're trained. It's the way we think. We're rational people. And sometimes our pragmatism and our rationality can stand between what God would have us to do and what we are doing. We need to let go and allow God's grace to permeate our lives, and our activities. The second thing we see as we look at these verses is prayer. Verse 8 records that Paul prayed about his predicament. The manner in which he prayed indicates the depth of his spirit. He prayed specifically, the scripture says, for this thing. He prayed earnestly, I besought the Lord. He prayed repeatedly, three times he prayed that this would be delivered from him. He prayed purposefully that it might depart from him. The Lord answered his prayer, and that answer is found in verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice how he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we acknowledge our weakness before the Lord and our need of the gift of grace, it can transform what we do, what we say, how we act, and how we relate to one another. He said is in the perfect tense, a tense that describes the action as started in the past but continuing in the present. So it means that what Christ said still stands. He gave to Paul's definitive prayer a definitive answer. Paul responds positively to Christ's answer. My grace is the grace of Christ himself. This is the only time in the New Testament that this expression is found. Christ's grace is found in such scriptures as John chapter 1 verse 16, grace upon grace. Romans 5.20, abounding grace. And Romans 5.21, reigning grace. His grace not only saves us, it also suffices us in every situation. Is sufficient means to be possessed of adequate strength, to be strong, to be enough for a thing. Christ's strength is unfailing whatever your situation. We must lean on Him. In all circumstances, Paul understood that. He understood the sufficiency of God's grace to deliver him from his sins. And Paul was guilt-ridden before he allowed grace to overtake him. Because of his persecution of followers of Christ. Nicky Cruz was the leader of the toughest gang in New York City at one time. His Satanist parents abused him brutally, so he grew up a hardened man, void of love and full of hate. I wanted to do to others what my mother did to me, Nikki says. I used to feel good when I hurt people. But privately, he didn't feel good. Privately, when I was alone, loneliness became like a seductive woman, he said, that crawled inside my chest and ate at me. I was there twisting and fighting. I felt so lost. Only two people saw the desperate condition of Nikki's heart. 
One was a psychologist. He told me about five times, there's a dark side in your life that nobody can penetrate, Nikki. You are walking straight to jail, the electric chair, and hell. There's no hope. The other was a pastor named David Wilkerson. He risked his life to tell Nikki there was hope. Nikki's initial response was, get out of here, and he spit on him. Nikki never expected what he heard Wilkerson say next. Wilkerson replied, You could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street, and every piece would still love you. Nikki says it did damage, good damage in my brain and in my heart. I began to question, and for two weeks I could not sleep thinking, about love. Nikki and his gang showed up at one of Wilkerson's rallies. One by one, they gave their lives to Christ. It was, cru- it was the crucifixion, Jesus' death on the cross that grabbed Nikki. You see that, don't you? I was choked up with pain, and my eyes were fighting, and tears began to come down, and more tears, and I was fighting, and then I surrendered, says Nikki. I let Jesus hug me, and I let my head rest on his chest. I said, I'm sorry, forgive me, and for the first time, I told somebody, I love you. The love Nikki got in return radically changed his life. He said, when I opened my eyes, I got a new heart. I'd been born again. I'm a child of the Lord. But it took someone in their weakness to say to him, you could cut me up in a thousand pieces and lay me out on the street. And I still, with every piece, would love you. That's strength, isn't it? In weakness. That's allowing the grace of God to permeate us in a way that can change us and allow Him to strengthen us for whatever comes our way. The third thing we see as we look at this passage is perfection. For my strength is made perfect, perfected in weakness. Verse 9. Perfected is a present passive verb. It means that through this thorn, God was perfecting Paul. He was maturing him, completing him in spirit through this means. And I believe that God is perfecting us through the thorns in our lives. He perfects us through our learning to live with something rather than allowing it to be an irritation. It is our transforming an irritation into a spiritual motivation. How is this possible? It is possible only through the sufficiency of the grace of Christ. To see the difference between the perfect tense and the present tense, we can compare John chapter 19 verse 30 with this verse. In John 19:30, the statement, it is finished, is in the perfect tense. Redemption has been completed and continues to be. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, is made perfect. A present tense, passive voice verb. The present tense, continual action, meaning that one's strength is continually being perfected. God is not finished with us. God constantly is perfecting us. The passive voice means that the subject is being acted on. So Christ is the one perfecting us. Christ is the one who is working in us to make us what we need to be. But we must surrender to Him and acknowledge our weaknesses. We all have things that trouble us. We all have thorns in the flesh, don't we? Things that trouble us and cause us pain and sorrow and discomfort. We need to give them to Christ. And in some way, He can transform those things and make us into the servants He would have us to be. He uses many things to perfect us. 
So this may be the reason for your unchangeable situation, your suffering, your adversity. As your master designer, the Lord has your life on a special easel, putting on his divine finishing touches. As the master teacher, he has you in a special classroom to teach you truths you could learn in no other way. Paul thought his strength was enough until the Lord humbled him. And allowed him to depend on grace. So what happens? Christ's power is perfected in him and in us. Paul says that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It is the verb that describes Christ's power like a tent covering us. This is the only place this word is used in the New Testament. The simple form is found in John 1.14. The word dwelt among us. This is the grace in all its sufficiency. <coughs> Paul's boastings of visions and revelations therefore <coughs> turns to boast of weaknesses and recognition that when I am weak, then I am strong. The completeness of Paul's acceptance of the thorn from the hands of God and of the truth of the promise went with it was from the human point of view the secret of his unparalleled achievement. But then the fourth thing we see is praise. Verse 9 expresses the burst of Paul's praise. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Verse 10 describes his deep spirit of contentment and pleasure in his adversities, weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, and difficulties. How is this possible? Only through the sufficiency of God's grace. God's grace is so miraculous that we can even revel in our trials because they are His best. The greatest lesson of this scripture is that grace is sufficient for the unchangeable situations in our lives. We need to depend on God's grace. If we depend on God's grace in our personal lives with Him, think of what our church could be as we impart that grace and show others that grace. The greatest lesson of this scripture is that grace is sufficient for the unchangeable situations in our lives, the circumstances beyond our control, the handicaps we suffer, our sickness and all other types of adversities. Whatever you are passing through, the Lord says my grace is sufficient for you and God's grace is sufficient for His church. We must allow ourselves to rest in that grace. Because we are weak. And many times we say we can't do it. And the truth be known, we can't do it. But God can do it through us. We only have to acknowledge it. This past Monday, I went to see with some others the Jesus production at Sight and Sound Theater in Lancaster. Many of some other folks have been too. Very good program. Uh, loosely based on the Gospel of John. And in one particular scene, Jesus was telling the story of the lost sheep. You remember the story. When the shepherd left the 99 to go after the one. He told that story and then a little while later, it was all weaved together, but a little while later they were crossing the Sea of Galilee going into Gentile territory where they were, the disciples who always doubted, were afraid that they wouldn't be received very well. He left the Jewish part of the then area that he was in and went into the Gentile part. And the first thing he encountered when he got there was the man possessed by the legion of demons. You know the story. The one that they said cast us out into the swine. And <clears throat> I know it was loosely based, but knowing the disciples and their doubt, I could see how this could happen. The disciples said, Lord, why would you come here where you're not wanted? And his answer to them was, I came for the one. He came for the man possessed you know he did the same for you 
He came for you. There were 99 in the fold, and He came for you. And He came for me. That's grace. Horatio Bonar wrote about Richard Cameron's father. The aged saint was in prison for God's word. The bloody, mutilated head of his martyred son was brought to him by his abusive persecutors and he was asked if he could recognize who he was. His answer, I know it. I know it, said the father. As he kissed the mangled forehead of his son, it is my son's own dear son's. It is the Lord. Good is the will of the Lord who cannot wrong me or mine, but has made goodness and mercy to follow us all our days. This is the sufficiency of God's grace. The question is, do we know it? In all circumstances, do we know that God's grace is with us, perfecting us, guiding us, helping us, Showing us the way. The first way that we can depend on God's grace. And the way that he would call us to depend on it. Is when we understand what Paul understood in verse 10. When he said. For when I am weak. Then. I am strong. Grace. Hard to explain. Hard to accept. But if we are to be what God calls us to be. We must grasp it. And allow it to permeate our lives. So that we could be the servants that Christ calls us to be. Shall we pray? Father, we rejoice in the sufficiency of your grace. Difficult for us to understand. Hard to explain. And yet it shows us the way. Help us, Father, to acknowledge our weakness. So that we might be strong in you. Help us, Father, to forget our limitations, our thorns, and allow your grace to lead us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation hymn is number 470, Without Him. Without Him I could do nothing. Paul understood that. Paul understood that without grace, there is nothing. Have you received that grace? Are you showing that grace to others? Through your attitude and through your actions. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive this grace in Jesus Christ. Who gave his life. So that we could be set free. Will you stand as we sing?
thank you for making this service a part of your day today. I uh, hope that uh, you, uh, obviously, you remained safe last week. Uh, we still need to pray for those who don't have power. Some of them were here in, Meadow, in the farm over here, neighborhood. They don't have power on South Mayfield, some of the people. Uh, you can hear the generators when you go outside, when you leave. The tree fell on some um, lines along the road there and knocked the power out. So I don't know where else, but people... Uh, are certainly suffering or have suffered through this. I was reading this song. I don't mean to ramble. I may sound like I'm doing it, but um, they don't even put that acknowledgement in there anymore. There's Becky. Becky, you know the word, do not turn him away, used to say, you can't turn him away. And I guess they thought that was bad theology, so they changed it to do not turn him away because you can turn him away. And that's what Paul speaks about. It's hard, though, when you get a hold of God's grace to ever turn him away. So we leave with that thought, knowing that God blesses us and leads us through his grace. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart, we know that your grace is sufficient. Your grace strengthens us when we are weak. Help us to acknowledge our weakness before you so that we can be enveloped by your grace. Thank you, Father, for this service today, for our time of worship and praise and adoration, and for the time that we could listen for a word from you about the sufficiency of your grace. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.